Mom, Dad, you should shop Amazon for back to school and save some money. See, I'm currently obsessed with superheroes and need all the superhero stuff. Superhero lunchbox, superhero backpack. But next year, it'll be something else. Maybe dinosaurs? I don't know. I'm not a fortune teller. But I can tell you not to spend a fortune and shop low prices for school on Amazon. Okay, good chat. Amazon. Spend less, smile more. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Today, we're talking about a topic that's timely and has been on everybody's mind probably for the entire 2023. We're talking about the economy and economics. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Welcome back to The Deal Board, everyone. And today, we're talking about a topic that's timely and has been on everybody's mind probably for the entire 2023. We're talking about the economy and economics. Yeah, we got some questions last time we talked about the economy, and a lot of people wanted to get back to the basics a little bit. So we have two interviews, very timely interviews today. We have Howard Yaris. Uh, he's a professor at NYU, and he wrote a book on the understandable economics. He's all, He wrote a few books. Uh, but we have a great interview with him talking about the economy and how it works. And uh, I think you'll find it really interesting, especially if you're a business person. And again, even though uh, this was a couple of weeks ago and things keep changing, uh, it, it it's very basic, uh, fundamental understanding of what's going on. And he has a good uh, antidote because his family sold some businesses uh, so he he understands uh, the business brokerage and M&A business very well. Yeah, I think I love his tagline is the economy is easier to understand than you think, right? So really great interview. And then you also interviewed um, someone that's been on the show before, Barry Sloan, the president and CEO at New Tech Business Services Corp, um, talking about the economy and also not to do any spoiler alerts, but some some exciting news too, right? Yeah, well, we, we can do a little spoiler alert. I mean- they bought a bank, which was very interesting that they bought it right before, you know, uh, the Silicon Valley Bank kind of exploded, now purchased, by the way. And uh, so there's a lot of moving parts in the banking industry right now. And they bought a regional bank and he tells us all about it. And I and you want to listen to it because I asked him the question, right? Are you still glad you bought a bank? Because I called him and I said, hey, great news. You bought a bank. I want to interview you so you could tell me all about it. And he was really excited. And so then he got on and I'm like, are you still happy to buy a bank? And uh, you'll hear his answer. Yeah. So two great interviews. We hope today gives you um, a baseline and answers those questions about, you know, what is the economics 101 that I need to understand as a business owner um, looking potentially to maybe exit or buy a business. So this is our answer for that. And we hope it provides you a lot of value. Let's get to it. 
Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And we are talking economics today, and we have a very special guest. We have Howard Yaris of the author of his brand new book, Understandable Economics. And I could have probably used you when I was taking my Econ 101 back there at Lehigh University. I think I got a good grade, but probably not as good as if I read your book, Howard. So welcome, Howard. And let's talk a little bit about understandable economics, because it's a scary thing to a lot of people who are thinking about buying and selling. Absolutely. As we were just discussing a moment ago, uh, when people are building a business, they're laser focused on the product and the service. But when businesses are bought and sold, financing comes into play, and it's a much more important factor. And I remember when my father sold his business for um, a few a few zeros less on the sale price than some of the businesses I was involved in buying when I was uh, general counsel of, of a large publicly traded company. But Again, when when businesses are being bought and sold, the financing becomes important. And what does that mean? It means interest rates and what's going on in the economy becomes more important. And that's what my book is is dedicated to doing. It's trying to help demystify what's going on in the economy. It's trying to help the average person, not the expert like you who took the economics course at Lehigh, but the average person um, to have a better understanding of what's going on in the economy. So where do you start? I mean, obviously, you're you're trying to tackle a big subject. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts right now. I have a friend who's on the Federal Reserve, and they keep raising interest rates to try to battle inflation. Is that where your book starts, or how do you like ease people into the into the subject? Well, that, that's a very important part of the book, and it's a very key reason why I think a lot of people are reading the book. They asked economic students where money comes from. How does the amount of money increase? Clearly, it's increased significantly over the last 200 years. And the majority of economic students don't even know. Money, at the risk of having the ultimate understatement now, is a big factor in people's lives. It's certainly a crucial factor, again, at the risk of an incredible understatement, in buying and selling businesses. So understanding where the money comes from and and why is that important? Because that's where interest rates come from. And what where the economy is going is is a really important, I'm saying the obvious, um, but hopefully I'm explaining how the obvious works. That's the goal of the book, that it's it's critical to buying a business and to running it successfully uh, after its purchase. Yeah, obviously. And it, and with the interest rates going up, that means money is more expensive. And some of those SBA loans people are looking at are more expensive. What should people, you know, what should people know to kind of be able to work through that? Well, the $64,000 question, actually, it's, it's a lot more than $64,000, is what's happening to the economy and what's happening to interest rates? Uh, it would be very unfortunate for a purchaser of a business to get stuck in some high interest rate loan that is is difficult to refinance, um, 
Similarly, if someone purchased a business at a very low interest rate um, and therefore had a high valuation, was able to pay up for the business, if a bad economy followed, um, even though they have a low interest rate, they they can the business they they just purchased can can lose a lot of its allure. So it's it's really important to understand what's going on in the economy and what's going on with interest rates and to to I guess further the discussion in that regard, what's going on? Um, everyone pretty much knows that the Fed has raised interest rates very significantly. They've gone up from essentially zero to in less than a year, four percent. And when the Fed is charging 4%, uh, the SBA and your bank is charging more than 4%. So this is an enormous change in interest rates. And it's, it's an enormous increase in the, in the price of money, which again, uh, affects, weighs heavily on, on decisions to buy businesses. Yeah, we're seeing some SBA loans come in at 9% now. It'll be 10% probably in a month or so. Uh, if they decide to raise interest rates again. So what are they trying to do? What's the goal of raising these interest rates? That's a, that's a real softball question there. They're trying to curb inflation. I'm sure everyone who's listening has heard that word countless times. I, I thought I heard the last of it when I was a kid um, during the, in the 1970s when inflation was running at about 18%. Interest rates were about 18%. And for, for decades, for my basically my whole life, inflation was really something you read about in, in a textbook. And now it's, it's come back to haunt us. And not only does it haunt all of us, it's also is a big factor in, in business acquisitions. Inflation is an average increase in prices. Why do prices go up? It's, it's very simple. Um, notwithstanding all the political rhetoric, there's an amount of money and spending out there in the economy. There's an amount of stuff in the economy. If the money and spending grows faster than the amount of stuff you get inflation, if the money and spending goes, grows more slowly than the amount of stuff you get deflation, and if the money and spending grows at the same rate as the amount of stuff, when I say stuff, I mean goods and services, you get sure. stable prices. Right now, uh, it's growing faster. So what can bring inflation down? You could either slow spending or increase the amount of stuff. Unfortunately, uh, the Federal Reserve can't produce cars, houses, and, and other services, but what they can do is slow spending. How do they do it? By raising interest rates. And that's exactly what they're doing now. Yeah, and they're doing it uh, pretty successfully. I think you, you're starting to see some of the effects of it, uh, the housing uh, market cooling off somewhat. Uh, you're seeing some of the perhaps... Uh, even uh, the prices coming down on those housing uh, starts. You're seeing the starts come down. So uh, how much could the increase in supply of goods, uh, since we're still kind of recovering from the pandemic shutdown, uh, China still has somewhat of a, of a pandemic shutdown in several of their cities that is causing still a supply chain issue, but the supply chain issues seem to be easing somewhat. Uh, do you see that being a factor in trying to bring down some of the inflation? Right, and th that's a great question because as, as I was saying a moment ago, it's, it's the ratio between the amount of spending and the amount of goods and services. And the amount of goods and services, let's deal with both sides of that equation. The amount of goods and services has been hit. Um, you, you, um, there's the war in the Ukraine that people, I think, like to forget about, but it's there. And that's having an enormous impact, certainly on, on grain prices. 
Uh, the coronavirus pandemic is, is probably the most obvious impact on the uh, production of goods and services in the United States, although uh, it seems to be abating, notably not the pandemic, but the pandemic's impact on the ability to produce goods and services. Also, climate change has to some extent affected the output of goods and services. So there's a lot going on sort of pushing down the output of goods and services. I'll, I'll mention something that I just was reading about in the last few days, relationship relations with China uh, are taking a toll. Producing the iPhone relies on, on good relations with China. And to the extent those sour, that's going to put a crimp on the amount of, of goods that are produced for Americans, consumers. On the whole, though, you know, I like to think these will go away. I'm an eternal optimist. I like to think the war in the Ukraine will end, the coronavirus will, will uh, the coronavirus pandemic will end. They they can end, or some additional problem can arise. So right now we're seeing constraints on the production of goods and services. On the other hand, spending has been robust. There was a lot of government help during the. Uh, pandemic, so consumers are still somewhat flush from from a lot of that that uh, assistance, which again, to put it in perspective, was essential to make sure the, the economy didn't fall off a cliff. Uh, but it's now safely away from the ledge, and there's still amount a good amount of that stimulus money out there. So you have this imbalance: too much spending, chasing too few goods, as economists like to say, and hopefully uh, it will come into better balance with uh, with the interest rate incre increases that the government is now in, imposing. So how what do you think as as far as the you know the Fed raising rates and all those things you said absolutely true war in Ukraine certainly put a crimp on the energy fight prices which affects everything uh and certainly you know we learned our lesson in 2009 and 2010 that putting money into the system worked it worked mm -hmm. very well back then yeah. bailing out uh, industries like the airline industry and the car industry and and basically giving people money worked. So when the pandemic hit, they were like, oh, let's, you know, they took out that playbook and they went back at it. And certainly uh, perhaps they gave a little bit too much money, but, you know, obviously uh, that's going to cause some inflationary pressures, which we saw. And so how fast do you think or how much overreach do you think that the Fed is going to wind up overreaching a little bit? And then it's going to kind of, and then, and then what, you know, they're going to go through some tough times or they want to see a little bit of tough times. You know, economics is, is an art, is more of an art than a science. The point I make in the book is physics. You learn how, how black holes work and you learn some basic things about matter and energy and you could put plug, the, what you know into an equation and come out with an answer. It doesn't work that way in economics. Economics is a social science. It's it's it depends on human behavior, and so to know exact exactly how much the Fed has to raise interest rates to slow down the economy just enough to to make inflation go away, but not so much that it throws the economy into recession. No one knows that for sure, and anyone who says they know it uh, really doesn't. So it's it's a judgment call on their part. And these are people for whatever their credentials may be and their significant are often somewhat removed from the day-to-day -day concerns of the average person. So the fear is that they will that they're going to overreact. They're going to raise interest rates too high 
and throw the economy into a recession. Again, it, it's a judgment call, and it's it's not clear that they're going to get it exactly right because there's no way to know beforehand what's exactly right. What I could say to someone thinking about buying a business is at some point, they will take their foot off the brake. That's one thing uh, you could say with absolute certainty, that at some point, the Fed is going to say, we've had enough. And if they wait too long, we're, we're in a recession. But at some point in the not too distant future, this although there are lags, we're talking months, not years, mm -hmm. uh, they will say we've had enough and interest rates will start to either stabilize or ideally come down a bit. So I'm glad you started bringing that back to the business buyer and the business seller. So if you're a business buyer and business seller or even operating business, you know, what are the key economic things you, you would look for to kind of run your business or perhaps even plan to sell or buy a business? What are the things that would kind of tip you off saying, hey, you know, it's still okay to buy a business when there's high interest rates because you could always refinance later. Is it what are some of those things that you would look look into? It's interesting you asked that question because we started the conversation by saying that financing and interest rates is so important when you're buying or selling a business, much more important than when you're building a business, when it's all about the product and the brand and the marketing. Um, that said, the product is important in this context because some products will have more uh, of uh, uh, are better better uh, position to do better in this environment than others. We talk about supply chain issues. If you are going to, I'm not an expert on the components of an iPhone, but if you are looking at a business that had something to do with either the rare earth metals or the other components of an iPhone, again, my, my expertise in this area is quite limited of, of producing those kinds of components domestically, I would say that's that's a really good business. On the other hand, if you're looking at a business that that may um, have uh, be less sensitive to the supply chain, that may may not have as much of a, a a good potential in the short run. So I would pay keen attention to what kinds of businesses are being impacted uh, by these supply chain issues, and if you could bring them, um, if you could produce those products domestically, I would think that's something that would be be great for you as a, as an investor and for the economy in general. Yeah, I agree with you. I I, I think there's a lot of uh, things that are going to onshore in the next few years. And uh, certainly, I, I don't think the relations with China are going to get magically, uh, incredibly better. And even if they do get better, uh, somewhat we've learned our lesson that we shouldn't have all our eggs in that basket. So they're going to try to diversify. You see the government incentivizing people to build chip manufacturers here in the United States. And so, like you said, all the manufacturing that goes in and around that supply of those things uh, are coming here. You know, certainly we've seen things uh, go away from retail and perhaps into more of distribution. And we have a ton of businesses that are doing very well because they're part of the Amazon or even part of selling things online. Um, so, you know, there's lots of things to look out for. And- um, Can I just you know, interject, you mentioned two really important things. One is the, the legislation offering, offering subsidies to chip manufacturers. There are a lot of programs out there, federal government programs and local programs that as assist entrepreneurs and businesses with uh, certain strategic types of products. And the second point I'd make is that even 
if the, if the war in Ukraine ended, the coronavirus went away, I think there's a new skepticism about relying on other countries for critical components. I'm not saying that world trade is going to come to an abrupt halt. I'm saying that big companies are going to look to diversify the sources of their products. And I think there'll be more of an opportunity for, for some of these businesses that were primarily offshore to have more of a presence onshore. I, I have seen that firsthand. I sit on a board of a public company and I've seen that firsthand. They were diversifying their, their sources of supply on some of their items. But, you know, I, I, I think you're right. Um, so what about small business? Let's just talk about the, you know, what do you think of small businesses as a part of our economy here in the United States? Obviously very important, but, you know, what do you see uh, out there in for our small business owners? I think small businesses, something I write a lot about in the book is the winner-take-all economy. In the 1950s, if someone were selling clothes in New York and they wanted to sell them in San Francisco, it would be expensive, difficult. They'd have to be paying for long-distance phone calls. Now there's the cost-free platform of the internet. One person, maybe this guy's named Jeff Bezos, it can sell everything under the sun, everywhere in the world with no transaction costs, no friction whatsoever. So there's more of a tendency to have a winner take all. And we've seen that in, in so many different endeavors. Mm -hmm. But to be positive about small businesses, I think most people recognize the value they provide to individual communities, to people, to um, local local governments. Uh, Jeff Bezos, Amazon doesn't, doesn't pay to help to help the local Fourth um, of July parade or whatever is going on right. locally, there are there's real value to have local brick and mortar mom and pop type businesses, and I think that small business owners need need to need to uh, take advantage of that. Uh, it's not as easy as it used to be, but there's a critical role for that, and people do appreciate it, and there are people who are involved in marketing and community relations who would be better at, at, at figuring out how to take advantage of that than I. But I just want to be clear from a macroeconomy point of view, there are serious headwinds. Uh, and I think almost exclusively caused by the internet and the, which gives the large uh, providers, the large businesses, a cost-free platform of, of doing business uh, on, an, um, on, on previously unimaginable scale. Yeah, I, I I think that's true. But I, you know what I've seen? I've seen with some small businesses, some like payment platforms and shipping platforms and warehousing that has been born because of Amazon and being able to service Amazon. But what I've seen is those platforms now being shared with small businesses. And I've seen little mom and pop stores be able to expand their uh, their reach as far as consumers are concerned, not only local, but worldwide. And you see uh, people being able to do things, uh, you know, like people with rare books or collectibles or all kinds of things. Uh, people, people who are doing very well on the internet, jewelry, uh, people, you know, local jewelry makers uh, being able to sell all over the world and being able to have these platforms and these uh, shipping, uh, you know, these things on their websites that are able to 
uh, sell businesses. I, I know this because I was buying stuff for my dad and wound up shipping it to my dad. And I used one website and then I went to another website to buy something for myself and wound up shipping it to my dad because they use the same platform. It's it's pretty crazy. So I think there are a lot of those things and people do recognize we have small business Saturday now uh, on, uh, you know, for Thanksgiving and people are trying to recognize the buy local, I think. So I think that's good for the future as well. I also think there's a shift in um, attitude within the government towards the monopolization of business. Very specifically, it ties into to my book. There, Simon Schuster and Ping Random House were going to merge, and the government says they can't because there would be less competition. Uh, I know when I've, I've had experience in businesses from my father's grocery store, which was sold for a five-digit figure, to um, when I was um, an executive officer of Rating Group, which, which did billion-dollar acquisitions, and the fact is that it's 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 very it's 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 just it's a, it's critically important to um, to focus on on, ex on exactly what the what the business is. Yeah, I agree. And and listening, understanding economics. I think if everybody understood in under understandable economics, I think if everybody understood economics, uh, we might not have as much division in the world because everybody would understand what causes inflation and perhaps what we could all do about it to uh, to make it better. And it's not necessarily all about one party or the other uh, that, I think that causes the, these things. The lack of understanding causes a lot of frustration and enables people, specifically politicians, to exploit that ignorance and cause people to be angry at, at things that have nothing to do with inflation. For instance, the, the claim that the inflation is caused by Biden and the Congress, uh, unless they're moonlighting in Europe, which has higher inflation, it's really not their, their fault. Um, inflation is, in fact, higher in Europe. It's a global phenomenon. The, the question is, notwithstanding all of this rhetoric, what are they going to do about it? Right. Right. And, you know, I, I just saw a report uh, that the EU was, uh, you know, considering what to do with uh, one of the countries over there because they, you know, listen, uh, it, it's a uh, the blue. It's a it's a flat world. Right. The world is flat and uh, we do have a global economy, whether we like it or not. And we always will. Like you said, there might be some movement to uh, be a little bit better balanced than getting you know, 90% of our things from China or wherever from, you know, Southeast Asia. Uh, but, you know, I, I think in the future, uh, we're going to see a more balanced world and uh, hopefully a, a more peaceful world. The world is uh, like, I, I'm an optimist as well. Uh, I think uh, the economic situation will continue to, uh, to settle itself down. And uh, I think there's a, like you said, with the internet, there's huge amounts of opportunities for small businesses to expand and to be created from nothing. I mean, very quickly, you, like you said, uh, ease the market for a, a lot of people is, is, is pretty easy. So. Yes. And as you said, there are a lot of um, niches that people could take advantage of. And what I was saying before about the merger of Penguin Random House and Simon and Schuster, that the, the, the big companies are just too big to take advantage of many opportunities. When I was at Rating Group, we called them hobbies. They were, they were businesses that were too small for us to devote management time, effort, and resources to that, that offered great returns. 
um, for businesses that operated at a smaller scale. So again, there, there are opportunities out there, but um, people have to be aware of the shift, the, the economic shifts, and also the, the fact that the internet has made the playing field um, somewhat different than it used to be, uh, where there were where there were, were not as many economies of scale for large businesses. Well, I then recommend that everybody go out and read Understandable Economics. It's available on the internet. You can go right to uh, <laughs> Howard's email uh, to website. So it's howardyaris.com. Uh, you could buy the book there. I'm sure you could buy the books uh, anywhere, wherever books anywhere, are sold, yeah. right? So, exactly uh, right. yeah. So, Howard, I, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Obviously, through your website. Oh, my, my email, Howard, howardyaris at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from people. That'd be great. Howard, thank you so much for coming thank on you today. So much, Make, making a little bit more understandable about what's going on <laughs> a out A little there. bit. Appreciate it. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It is deal of the week, and we have James Lascano from Transworld Business Advisors of West Florida. And James, you just closed a really nice deal in home health care, not your first deal in home health care. Uh, tell us about it. Thank you very much, Andy. I appreciate being here. Well, uh, yeah, this is a great deal. The sellers contacted me a few years ago, and there was a partnership, uh, and they were wanting to basically dissolve that partnership and go their own way. Um, the partner A uh, was my main contact. Partner B was uh, basically, uh, you know, also a fifty percent owner, but wanted to go ahead and both wanted to dissolve. And uh, when I gave them the valuation, they were fine with it, and they decided to go ahead and move forward. We had a buyer, it didn't work out with the buyer. And eventually the sellers, um, they needed to have some internal issues resolved. And uh, the partner A told me, look, you know what? We are deciding to slow things down. Let me just um, regroup and call you back. I said, fine. And I continue to maintain contact with them. Uh, actually, this deal came from a drop letter okay, <clears throat> a few years ago. Um, about three years, four years later, the uh, seller, uh, partner A now calls me. He's like, look, I bought out my other partner and now I'm going ahead and moving forward. I want you to just give me a valuation of where we're at. So I did my work, gave him the valuation and he's like, look, this is good. Um, I'm, I'm ready to retire. I want to go ahead and move forward. Uh, by the way, these, um, the seller was an immigrant that arrived to this country 12 years ago hmm. with nothing. And nice. he built this multi-million dollar business. Uh, and he did grow the numbers from where previously uh, began. The business was at a low 1 million, you know, and now when we spoke again, the business was closer to $6 million of value. Wow. Now he grew it very well in, in a very short amount of time. So we discussed uh, what were the procedures that would take place. I told him, look, this is where we're at. This is how we're going to do this. And um, there was one challenge that we faced right off the bat. He said, look, I think I have to have the ownership due to ACA because the business is in healthcare. We have sure. to go ahead and have the business uh, has to be owned by one sole owner for a minimum of 36 months. I called a couple of my contacts um, that are attorneys and they immediately told me, no, you should be good uh, on some of these uh, on some of these issues. And we said, OK, let's move forward. I told him we're going to be OK. He also contacted his attorney. And they told them, no, you should be fine to go. So we moved forward, put it on, um, uh, you know, listed it. And I had uh, 
immense amount of um, interest in the business. We met with a few buyers, uh, but some of them, they when the the offers that they made, the earnout seemed too high. You know, right. they were just like, "Look, we want to do this," and uh, I kept on going back to look. The business does so well. I mean, on a monthly basis, it makes unbelievable amount of money. Um, so we proceeded forward and continued to look for uh, speak to different buyers, and eventually we found one that we thought made the best offer, uh, while maintaining other buyers. You know, still interested. I said, "Look, if this is the one I believe would be best and just for you." They presented a great offer. The earnout was a lot less, and they were extremely um, uh, flexible on how to proceed. And I told them, look, these buyers have the most interest. They're willing to work with you. They want to do uh, everything to purchase this business. They're a capital investment firm. They have experience. So I, I think this is the guys to go with. The seller uh, took my advice and said, okay, let's move forward. He was very upfront with everything. And we began, uh, uh, we began um, the process of uh, doing, working through the LOI and then going into, going into due diligence. At that point, um, we didn't, you know, they came very well prepared. They came with their team. They had a, a complete uh, due diligence team for to do the healthcare due diligence, then one to do the financial due diligence, and then one to an attorney specifically to work with ACA. They were, they were on point on every level. I mean, they're like, look, what do you need? Here we go. And our role was uh, critical in providing all the information that they needed. The good thing is that um, the seller was very organized. He had right. everything ready, whatever you need. And he would make sure that they would get all the information possible because it's in the healthcare industry. It's, it's pretty much very clean books and the right. process and procedures are, you know, regulated through ACA. So therefore a lot of the, a lot of the aspects that could be challenging in other industries, you know, are bypassed here. Most of the thing is doing very uh, clear due diligence and following the guidelines of ACA to make sure that, you know, the, the licenses and everything gets transferred. But we did run into a little snag because uh, due diligence took it a little bit longer than we thought. Ran into a little snag towards the end of the year because of the Florida law that passed that every, uh, the, you know, salaries needed to be increased. So because of that, all the insurance companies' contracts, all of them had to be increased uh, and had to be negotiated one by one. This was very uh, time-consuming for the seller. However, the seller was a very good negotiator and got much more than other companies got negotiating with the different insurance companies, uh, working with uh, different types of insurance companies uh, well-recognized in the industry, and plus Medicare and Medicaid. So um, that was one of the major snacks. And then, of course, because of the cost reports that we needed to have updated, we came to the end of the year, we weren't able to close. So we had to bump it another three weeks into the new year. That was a little, um, you know, when you're working through these deals of that size, you're always like wondering, you know, what's, you know, at the end of the day, what's going to happen. But um, the seller was still very motivated to sell. The buyers were extremely motivated to buy. Uh, the only thing that the seller the business kept on growing so well, it grew at another 25% towards hmm. the end of the year. So the seller came to the conclusion, I want more money. You know? <laughs> so because we were so far into it, you know, we, we sat down and renegotiated. I was, you know, I was nervous and someone was like, look, you know, we're at the end here. You're trying to renegotiate at the end of the day. I mean, this is like, we're weeks away from closing. 
Um, but the seller still, um, you know, said, James, you know, this is a lot of money. This is my retirement, you know, make it happen. And he basically pushed me forward and had to renegotiate with, um, with the buyers. Buyers at first were not pleased, but uh, especially because the financial aspect of it was already completed, though they worked out a different deal um, to not be included in the purchase contract, but more in a, um, in a, um, um, employment a, agreement, employment agreement with consulting. Exactly. Right. They went, they were able to work out something where, um, it capped over, uh, plus, um, uh, it capped over on the employment agreement. We reduced the, the, what do you call it? We, we went ahead and also, um, reduced a little bit of the earnout. Mm-hmm. And increased on the earnout by the better the business does by percentages, and he could get more over um, the earnout that he was um, uh, initially. Wow. So yeah, he he did. <laughs> we really negotiated very well towards the end. But the I, to, to, to give credit to the buyers, the buyers knew they were getting great business, so right. they renegotiated where it capped out over um, the six million of the business. And, uh, he's, I mean, the buyer right now, they're extremely satisfied. The sellers, um, the sellers obviously are very happy with everything. They're about to retire after a few months and the buyer keeps on telling me, find me more businesses like this. We're very happy. Sounds good. How bad, how much big was the deal? The deal, um, the initial price, uh, with everything purchase price was, uh, 5,679,000. And plus the, the, it could go higher with the earnout uh, that they did, right. as well as with the uh, with the employment agreement that they worked out. Okay, sounds mm-hmm. like a great deal for the seller. Seller got what they wanted mm-hmm. and uh, bought out the you know that you've been working on this for many years. So congratulations, sounds like a great deal. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. and I I really enjoyed working with the seller and the buyer. I, I think the seller is a wonderful person. And I think like he was um, straightforward in many ways. You just look at the end. He just said, look, it's worth so much more. And this is my last, I'm not doing anything else. This is it. So <laughs> he's like, I just want a little more to make sure I'm comfortable. Excellent. So James, if somebody else wants to sell a business like that, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, they can email me at james.lascano at tworld.com, or they can call me at 727-217-5559. Excellent. Great job. Nice deal. Good job getting it all the way through. Appreciate it, James. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And we are with a very special guest here on the deal board. Very timely, too. Uh, we are with Barry Sloan from New Tech. And New Tech recently bought a bank. And Barry, you went from the frying pan to the fire on this one. It seems that way. It's a little warmer today than it was about a month ago. But um, Andy, to be honest with you, and I realize there's a storm brewing, but as you know, in most storms and in market or economic changes, it breeds opportunity. So we think this is a great opportunity for us. We do not have the pervasive problems right now that stem across the banking industry. And we certainly can go into that, but no. Um, This is going to be great for our clients and our business model. Um, We're paying some of the highest rates for their capital and their money. And we've got some great solutions and we're a small and medium sized business lender. And this is going to help fuel our growth. So we're we're very excited about it. 
Yeah, it's great. And so to take one who might be listening for the first time, give us a little bit about what New Tech does and how the bank, you just purchased the bank. Tell us how that's going to fit into your model right now. Sure. So um, one of my favorite expressions, Andy, is we're an overnight success. It just took 20 years to get there. And uh, we were founded in 1998 out of a spare bedroom in New York City apartment from public in September of 2000. And over the course of two decades, we built six operating verticals that provide solutions, both financial and business, to independent business owners. And our customer acquisition model is to use alliance partners like Transworld and Raymond James and New York Community Bank and other institutions that don't do what we do and pass the referral to us. And if we're successful, we give them a success fee. So it, we don't have salespeople and don't have to advertise in the backs of buses. We get over a thousand unique business referrals a day, 2.2 million over our lifetime have been in the new tracker system. So that's the front end. But we've got all of these solutions now that are pushed up into a banking portal for the customer. So payment processing, payroll, insurance agency, tech solutions, lending, deposit gathering in the future, tax and accounting. So that a business can actually come to their financial institution and get a myriad of services and assets rather than just giving up their deposits, which frankly, most businesses, they give their deposits, they get a 0% rate on interest. And if they're lucky, they may get a loan, but most of them don't. So that's, that's really where we're coming from. We're going to be able to serve our clients better as a financial holding company owning a bank than as a non-bank lender. Right. And you've been a non-bank lender, uh, top non-bank lender uh, in the SBA world for a very, very long time. Uh, and so you're seeing, like you said, it's not what it was a few months ago, but over the last, say, two years, year and a half, we've seen changes. Obviously, the Fed moving up the right, uh, trying to cool down the economy. Uh, lending has been pretty robust. Business sales have been pretty robust. You know, what do you what do you see like currently? And then we could talk about a little bit about moving forward. I mean, yeah, I loved what you said because we've been preaching that all the time. Every time there's an economic issue or there's a cloud, it certainly breeds opportunity. Every time I always said, like, if we could go back to 2010, we should have bought, you know, property. If we could go back to 2001, we should have bought uh, stocks. I mean, you know, like there's always a time where you should move. And this this may be a time where you, you could get deals. Yeah, well, you know, buy low, sell high. Uh, the psychological aspect of it is what causes people to do the opposite all the time. Um, people are always happy buying at the top and they're most miserable when things are going down and that's when they're selling. So um, that's where you kind of have to have a lot of conviction and beliefs in what you're doing. Um, I think that the economic environment is very... Uh, strange is a good word for it. Um, you know, we're coming out of COVID. And, and the thing I think that's most interesting that very few people talk about is entrepreneurs and business owners going into COVID really had to take a, a hard look at their business. And they got rid of all extraneous things that didn't work. Um, I think when you go back to you know March, April, May of 2000, everyone was afraid the world was going to an end. So they got rid of anything. And then... In a COVID environment, 
look what we're doing here today. We're having a nice Zoom call. Um, restaurants have got in certain geographies have more outdoor seating. So they picked up real estate that they almost don't have to pay for. They figured out takeout. They use e-commerce to an event. So the economy's morphed to um, really business is becoming more efficient. Now, I'm going to, I'll try not to get too distracted because I got banking on my mind, but you segue into the banking industry and there's, I don't know, eight or 9,000 financial institutions that are depositories. And all of them still believed that if you pay zero on an interest rate on a checking account and a de minimis amount on a money market account, the money should stay there with you because some banker is going to take you out to lunch once a year where you've got a good relationship. Meanwhile, their phone's lighting up with offers of three and a half, four or 5% on their money. And because rates were at zero for so long, nobody cared to move it. Well, that's changing. So that the institutions that relied upon low deposits and low risk assets with no margin in it are now in trouble. And all of a sudden the dam bursts and what typically happens in these economic transition and transitory times is these weak situations that are volatile, they go first. So not to say Silicon Valley Bank or Signature Bank were weak. Matter of fact, one of them had a $500 stock price, but it had a $400 stock price. Guess what? They're both at zero because the stock moved on the fact that they were taking in, in Signature standpoint, these crypto deposits. And with Silicon Valley, they were making these very odd venture capital loans, which I won't get into, which were basically loans against cash. I mean, it was a great economic tool, provided that you thought that the money wouldn't move. And the money did move. Right. And the money moved because the smartest people in the world said, okay, I'm not putting our money into the business. Matter of fact, I want to take it back. And when they had to take it back, SVP couldn't replace it. So they had to take their portfolio of no-risk assets, which everybody told them is a great thing to own, by the way. Own treasury bonds, own liquid securities. And then they had to sell them in a moment's notice at a $2.5 billion loss. Oh, look, I have no capital left. Right. Yeah. I mean, it certainly uh, has, in any of these economic changes, it, it how does it translate down to small business owners? I mean, a lot of people who are listening are, you know, and and New Tech and, and both Transworld deal a lot with, you know, small business enterprises out there in the world. And, you know, sometimes they, they look at this stuff and it's like, oh, well, that's the higher up stuff. How does it affect us? I, I think what the takeaway from a small business owner waking up on March 13th should be some of the following things. Number one, they really should not have more than $250,000 in a bank. And, um, if they do, they should, you know, if there's a million, divide it up by four. Um, they could also buy a treasury. They, they need to figure out how to diversify. The second thing is they really should be dealing with organizations that are providing something for them. So, you know, when we approach people on our payroll or our payments, I hate to say it, but, you know, a lot of the business owners, they're lazy. They don't want to bother looking at, by the way, they should look at it just to validate that what they have is good. I'm not saying that they spend all their time doing this, but sure. if somebody gives them a real interesting proposition, they need to do the work and pay attention. And the one thing I always said in our business at New Tech and for these customers, 
If you save a dollar and expense, it goes right to the bottom line. Most businesses are always focused on revenue. But revenue, there's a margin. So for any dollar of revenue, maybe you make 20 cents or 30 cents or 15 cents. When you get rid of a dollar of expense or you make your staff more efficient, it's a huge win. We have a, a product called, you know, it's a special kind of a time clock that we use that for certain industries like restaurants, retail, or construction, it uses facial recognition or fingerprinting. That's going to save on labor stealing. Do you know how much people lose money on labor stealing? It's ungodly. So something like that is so invaluable. And will business owners give you half an hour to an hour to talk about it? It could save you 20% to 30% of your bottom line and make you more efficient. So these are the things we focus on. We focus on helping businesses and making them better. And if we can't make them better, we have no place in the market today. Yeah, I think you made a great point that if anything, the economic downturn, uh, COVID has made all of our businesses better. I mean, you had to adapt or you're you're not here anymore or you are you have a huge EDI loan or something. I mean, you know, because, right. you know, people basically got a pass during COVID. I mean, they were able to get uh, PPP money if they were able to leverage that and then or they got a disaster loan. Um but, you know, it's a new day, like you said, uh, it's, you know, you have to make money now. Uh, they're not necessarily handing it out anymore. Uh, and you, you got to go out there and make your company better. And, you know, new tech is great because it is a one-stop shop. I mean, it's a place where, like you said, they could check their insurance rates, they could check their uh, technology rates, they could check their, um, you know, their, their loans or their payroll. I mean, it's a, it's a great place. And now you have the bank. Uh, where everybody, everybody almost listening to this, if they have more than $250,000 in the bank, should be looking at alternative places to put their money uh, and have another bank account. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we uh, beginning tomorrow, we'll be at 5% for uh, consumer high yield savings and 4% for a business high yield savings, which can be moved back into the checking account. And a checking account does pay 1% but there's no fees in any account, no mm. wire fees, no statement fees, no fees. So we're extremely aggressive. We are able to make money as a BDC when the cost of capital is real much higher. We can be very competitive in this market and we offer deposits. So, you know, please go to newtechbank.com, check out our rates. You can open up an account online in three to five minutes. Three to five minutes. That's incredible. Yep. I mean, you guys have always been, uh, very aggressive and very timely with your uh, with your technology. I mean, uh, the new tech tracker is a great way for any refer. If you're a referral source and you're listening to this, uh, you should open up uh, an account with new tech. I mean, you know, so I know my fellow trans world uh, folks have done that. I know uh, some of our competitors listen to this, so they should be doing business with new tech as well. Um, you know, Barry, as we kind of like wrap this up, you know, Moving forward uh, through the end of the year, you know, in the crystal ball, we it's so hard to do this, but, you know, we always kind of like look to the future. You know, I, do you think things are settling out by the end of the year? I've heard that from a number of people, but that was even before this whole SVB thing uh, kind of hit. So, first of all, I love the question, and I always <laughs> have an opinion. Uh, and I want to define settling out. 
Because I think settling out was, can we get back to like 20, 21, 22 growth? And the answer is no way. No right. way, not even close. So my you know, thought process for people listening is, if you want your business to last three, five, or 10 years, you better get down and start really working hard and analyzing what you've got because it's going to be tough. Um, one of the great reasons why the U.S. economy is where it is is because of our financial system, both in equity capability to raise and debt markets and banking. This is, this is a huge wound here. So it's going to be very hard to get growth capital. And a lot of things are going to be moving around and changing. So it's going to be a lot of sideways movement. Furthermore, um, the economy has blossomed over 20 years. People don't understand that. Right. If you think, and this is a big if, government debt will stop increasing at the rate or slow, there's no way GDP can keep up with this. It's like impossible. So the only thing that really saves it is some kind of a new technological innovation that brings us further along. So I'm not a total crazy optimist on what I'll call, you know, the beta side of the world, which is, so Andy, if you said, hey, Barry, what's your GDP forecast? I go, hey, flat to up one for a couple of years. I mean, at best, uh, I'm not predicting recession or disaster, but the easy money, we got We have such an easy, we had zero, we had no cost of money to capital. Right. That's crazy. People think that's normal. It's not normal. It wasn't normal. It, it certainly was wasn't normal. normal. I mean, I'm an old guy, so I remember in the bond business in 1982, Kung Fu was a 15. Fed funds were 12. Inflation was double digit. So uh, it's not on, out of the, by the way, people lived. They right. live. However, we're like really spoiled right now. I mean, as much as we complain, particularly the, the disadvantaged segment in the U.S. economy is the most advantaged segment compared to the rest of the world. So you right. look at that lower quartile, they would be upper end in most countries today. And we don't even appreciate that. We just want more. The reality is we've levered up. There's not a lot of juice left in the orange, and we're going to have to figure out how to really dig down and get everybody working, create some economies, and move forward. Um, but it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to really – the two-foot putts don't exist in this calendar year. And that will be a reason why you need a good partner like Transworld, like New Tech. If you're in business, uh, you need some good partners. And uh, we talk about that all the time and some great resources. And Barry, your team are great resources. So why don't you one more time before we uh, wrap this up, tell us the best way to get in touch with your team. Sure. Please please go to our website, newtech1.com, N-E-W-T-E-K-O-N-E.com. Uh, if you get that, the simple one is a stock symbol, N-E-W-T, like the salamander. And then you can figure out how to get to the website. Um, and the bank is newtechbank.com. So we have a lot of really good solutions, most importantly, to help make your business better. Our loans are 10 to 25-year amortizing with no covenants. Um, 
our solutions are superior to what you're dealing with. Give us a chance to prove that, whether it's managing your tech, managing your payments. Um, our banking rates are currently the highest in the market. Um, come take a look, compare us on gobankrate.com. You'll see our rates versus others. So, and we love the, the opportunity to work with uh, Transworld uh, brokers and you know franchisees. It's worked out really, really well for us. That's great. Thank you, Barry. I didn't mention our, our long history together that you actually uh, funded Transworld and are responsible for a huge amount of our growth. So again, thank you for that. Never forget that. But I, it sounds like I I need to spend the next three to five minutes on opening up myself like an account at NewTech. So <laughs> I'm going to go to NewTech One and uh, open myself an account. So Andy, we would appreciate that. And uh, if you do, I'll send you a toaster. I uh, thank you. Oh, I appreciate like compliance counselor, well, if you send one to Andy, you got to send it to everybody yes, else. One to everybody. He's only kidding about the toaster, folks. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Great. <laughs> Maybe I'll great send you some toast. Yes. <laughs> okay. Talk to you soon, buddy. Bye, Andy. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for listing of the week. Welcome back to The Deal Board, everybody. I have one of my partners out of our Colorado office, Patrick Bombardier. Patrick, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Good to be back. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. So you recently closed um, on a business sale. Tell us a little bit about the business you just sold. Yeah, it was a really interesting situation. You know, we met we met these uh, this very, very successful kitchen and bath remodeling business owned by a father and a mother and a son. And um, along the way in their you know, kitchen and bath business, the the father saw a need for a product um, that he his clients wanted, and he went about inventing it and patenting it. And it was this really cool, customizable shower base, um, curbless um, entry shower base that could be made in custom sizes. And they just developed it, patented it over a period of years, and just started selling it to their own clients. And then they started saying, all right, well, let's do a little SEO and let's put make create an online platform and start selling it across the country. Well, they get they did really well with it. They got to about, say, 700,000 in sales, but they kind of got to a critical level where they're like, OK, you know, this is really hard for us to do and do our kitchen and bathroom modeling business. By that time, the father is at a point where he really wanted to retire. Um, and so they said, OK, what do we do? Do we ramp this thing up or do we sell it to somebody who can, you know, take it to the next level. And they decided they wanted to take it to the next step, but we ended up with, okay, we're selling a product that's underneath this other business, not really selling, you know, it's just a little bit of a unique assignment. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it, it's different when you have to kind of break a product out of an existing business that the seller's gonna keep. So obviously you were looking for a spe specific type of buyer for this transaction. Who Who did you find and why was it such a good match? You know, it was really interesting. You know, it was one of those things as a business broker, you always have to say, hey, you think you know a lot, but you don't maybe don't know everything. We we were sure this was going to be a strategic buyer, right? Another hard surface manufacturing company was going to go, wow, that's a great product. We could take that, add to what we already do and just blow it up. And we really tried a long time to do that. But we actually ended up selling this business to a husband and wife coming out of corporate world. Um, they just wanted to own something themselves. And they loved the product and um, they wanted to just take it and, and do all the things that the, the, the family decided that they weren't willing to do. Um, and so we ended up not selling it to a strategic and we created this uh, unique situation where they're going to sublease from 
the family for six months while they look for a brand new facility that has more capacity. The seller is working with them in a consultant role to say, hey, if I were building a facility from where I want it, you know, here's the things I would want to have in it. Um, and they're in the process of doing that right now. He, the father's kind of sticking around to teach them. Some key employees are going along, the guys that run the CNC routers and all that kind of thing. So it worked out really, really well. Um, and they're on their way. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a really good learning lesson because there is a lot of businesses um, and business owners where they come with preconceived notions of like, this is who the buyer is going to be. And it's always, they always think it's a, tr a strategic, a competitor, mm -hmm. but you know, 80% of the buyers in the marketplace are still these individuals leaving corporate. And sometimes the deals work out better, right? Yeah, certainly did in this case. We, we we created all kinds of lists and spent a lot of time doing it. And I'm, I'm happy that we did it that way. But at, at the end of the day, that just so happened that it was a good fit between these parties. You know, the a couple of the deal points I'll just share with you. The structure of the deal was 50% cash. And then there was another, well, there was a certain amount of cash. And then there's an earnout involved that could be as much as 50% more um, if they reach certain sales levels. And so I thought that was, you know, we were put together a nice creative deal structure so that if they do, if they are successful, that the owners can share in some of that success. I'll share to you also, for those of you business owners that are out there, or maybe have something similar, one of the major challenges that we had with this business is that when they started it, they didn't think, hey, we're going to just create a business and, and sell it. They never created a separate entity. They never created separate books. They just kind of ran it underneath their other umbrella of the other business. And it's hard to unwind that and can't change history. So that was one of the things that made it a little bit challenging in the end. So if you have yeah. a separate business, separate product line, maybe think about separating that stuff. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. You know, you never know where mm -hmm. a product or a new division is going to take you. Well, yeah. Patrick, it sounds like it was a really great deal for everybody involved. Um, you know, if someone is looking to buy or sell a business in Colorado, how can they get in touch with you? I'll share that in one second, but I want to give yeah. you one little point here too that I thought was really interesting. I just thought you'd yeah. get a kick out of this. When we first sat down with the seller of this business, you know, they had reached out, we'd reached out to them and they said, yeah, Transworld, we know them. And the reason why they knew Transworld is that the mother and owner of the business was a fan of the deal board, Andy Kagnan uh, and Jessica Fialkovich. And they said, you, you, do you know Jessica Fialkovich? Like, could we actually meet her? I'm like, oh yeah, I could probably get you her autograph. <laughs> we laughed at that one. So we have to set that up and maybe go have coffee so they can meet Jessica on and the podcast. Well, I yeah, I I hope we can meet one day. And now they're on the podcast. So hopefully, right. you know, it's come full circle. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh any of the business any interest in businesses to buy or sell in Colorado, feel free to reach out to me, Patrick at tworld.com. Patrick at tworld.com. All right. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for being on the show and we will see you again soon. Okay. See ya. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. Mom, Dad, you should shop Amazon for back to school and save some money. See, I'm currently obsessed with superheroes and need all the superhero stuff. Superhero lunchbox, superhero backpack. But next year, it'll be something else. Maybe dinosaurs? I don't know. I'm not a fortune teller. But I can tell you not to spend a fortune and shop low prices for school on Amazon. Okay, good chat. Amazon, spend less, smile more.
Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.